0: Modern Mystic Shop has just turned three, and over the three years we've been in business, we've been able to work with people in person to help find the exact right tools for transformation and healing that they're looking for. But now that our virtual community has expanded through this podcast, we've lost the ability to consult one-on-one. That's why we've created a really fun quiz at ModernMysticShop.com. It's just a few funny questions like picking your favorite Beyonce quote to help guide you to a collection of tools and products that can help you the most right now. So head over to ModernMysticShop.com and take the quiz at the top of the website and find the personal solutions for wherever you are at life at this moment. When you find what you need, use code podcast to get 10% off your order. And as always, subscribe, rate, review, and share our podcast with the modern mystics in your life. Hello and welcome to another episode of Sunday School at Modern Mystic Shop. My name is Kelly Knight. I am your podcast host and Modern Mystic Shop owner. We are on quite a streak of out of town guests and I am so excited. We have another wonderful woman coming through named Maya Toll. She is coming to us through Asheville and I actually know her beyond just Sunday School. I've got gotten the opportunity to really get to know maya as a a woman and as an incredible business owner but there is so much more to her she's had such an incredible life so let me tell you a little bit more about maya toll she's an award-winning writer she's been a horseback riding teacher a clinical herbalist and oddly a university professor but by far her favorite title is author. Her best-selling Wild Wisdom series includes the Illustrated Herbiary, the Illustrated Bestiary, and the Illustrated Crystallary. I hope I said that last one right. (laughs) Um, And they offer a glimpse into the knowledge of the natural world and the wilds within ourselves, Maya contemplated these insights during her year-long apprenticeship to a traditional healer in Ireland. Though apprenticeship sounds terribly romantic, it was often lonely, leaving Maya plenty of time to listen to the ravens, roses, and rocks. She quickly learned that the world was a whole lot bigger than her human-centric upbringing had led her to believe. When not obsessively reading books and quote unquote, talking to trees, stones, and her two dogs, Maya drinks copious amounts of tea and helps run the Herbiary, a multi-city natural wellness and sacred living store she owns with her partner, Andrew. She teaches and blogs to an international following at mayatoll.com, where she constantly reminds people that using critical thinking skills and talking to flowers are not mutually exclusive activities. How funny. So in this class specifically, Maya hosts a discussion about the natural world and the role it plays in awakening your intuition. One of the greatest gifts of working with the natural world is realizing that you are not alone. You are surrounded by a world that whispers advice and offers direction. But how do you learn to decipher the words of nature? Maya explains that understanding how you receive information, as well as knowing which archetypes and elements animate your outer world and invigorate your soul will unlock a world of connectivity. So bring your journal as you listen to this podcast and really understand and soak in this illuminating information. It's very experiential, so relax, be at home, maybe don't listen while you drive so you can fully participate in this class. So without further ado, awaken your wild wisdom with Maya Tull.
1: Thank you so much for coming out on this Sunday morning. So I think I'm going to start uh, with the, actually, before I start with the bestiary, um, I want to speak to those of you who are listening to this as a podcast, because we're going to be doing something in person. in just a little while, and I would love you all to be able to participate. So this is a preview for those of you who are here in person, and a setup for the people listening to this as a podcast. We are going to be doing a tasting with a tea. This is a great way to help you get into your body, to feel how things move within you, and to help you learn to read energy, which is what using your intuition is all about. So if you are listening to this as a podcast, hit pause, and go and brew yourself a cup of something. Now, m- my preference is a single herb, single, so that you're not getting mixed notes from from different plants. Remember, black tea, that's a single herb. Coffee, that's a single herb. So. Um, you have something in your house for certain that you can use for this exercise. Cinnamon makes a beautiful tea. So if you're listening online, hit pause, go brew yourself something. Those of you here, we have something brewed already for you. So we're gonna start with The Bestiary, which is the second book. um, For those of you who are not familiar, the first book was The Illustrated Herbiary. And this is tuning into um, the power of herbs and the energetics. These books are, are pretty different from other things that are out there because, let me start my little timer here so that I don't lose track. Hmm, Did I do this right? Maybe that way. Okay. Um, these books are, are different from uh, what a lot of what's out there because they're channeled. They're me sitting with the different plants, sitting with the different animal energies, sitting with the different crystals. That book will come out in June. And feeling into the energy, as opposed to telling you the medicinal properties or kind of the reiterated known properties that we often get. You know, I mean, you look at the crystal books and they all say, this crystal is about love. And you're like, wait, hold on, there are 17 crystals about love, 33 about protection. How do I know the difference between one and another? And so by tuning in, you begin to start to understand how these different uh, crystals, different herbs, different animals are unique. So what we're gonna be doing today is getting you tuning in Because while I'd love you to buy these books and believe me, um, I'm not into the whole cult of personality thing. What I'm into is empowering people to find their own inner wisdom, to find your own wild wisdom, so that you can do this work without a book. So my background is primarily in herbalism to begin. And I've been doing this for about 25 years. So when I say to begin, (laughs) that was a while ago. I actually lived in Ireland and studied with a traditional healer there for an entire year, which was an amazing experience. Um, But one of the things that I began to learn as I continued my studies is that in the ancient um, traditions, and when I say the ancient traditions, we're talking Ayurveda, Taoism, Tibetan medicine, Egyptian medicine there were three medicine kingdoms, animal, vegetable, and mineral. So simply studying one, simply studying crystals, simply studying plants, is only giving you part of the picture. So I started delving deeper into all three of these kingdoms and there's limited modern information that looks at all three you know, and how we relate. So even though um, I, I tend to be fairly academic in the way I like to approach things, I found myself having to step into more of this intuitive connection in order to unearth information that has been, has been lost or has been diluted over time. So I want to read to you a little bit from the introduction to the bestiary. Don Antonio sat at the back of the boat, making minute movements with his fingers and chuckling to himself. The Amazon River was broad and sluggish and we were drifting only slightly faster than the mesmerizing motion of the shaman's fingers. He caught me watching and nodded toward the jungle. Not for the first time, I scanned the tree line, baffled. It was a few days later before I realized he was imitating the sloths in Spanish. They hung from branches high in the canopy, the moss growing off their backs, blending them seamlessly with the foliage. Sloths do move, but you need a huge dose of patience to see it. Don Antonio imitated their slow-motion movement, amusing himself for hours as we toured the river. Teaching beside a real-deal shaman was eye-opening in none of the ways I expected. Sure there were ceremonies filled with strange scents and mysterious chanting but the real lessons were the quiet ones. Witnessing how Don Antonio moved through the world, reverent and humble, curious and laughing, was a gift in itself. But the deepest understandings came when we connected through sign language and broken English about his childhood. His uncle was the village shaman and Don Antonio his chosen apprentice. To be clear, this was not a glamorous post. It was a lonely one. At a very young age, Don Antonio spent months by himself, seeing his cousins only when they brought food into the jungle for him. Listening to the stories of this young boy sequestered in solitude, turning to the animals and the plants for solace, echoed the intense loneliness I felt when I lived in Ireland, apprenticed to a medicine woman. Far from friends and family, I, like Don Antonio, began to turn toward non-human companionship. I played my wooden flute for swans on the river or the cows in the field. I turned to the hawthorn tree for sympathy. I let ravens bolster me with their harsh cries. I became one strand, one life force among so many, a part of a larger tapestry of existence. The knowledge that I was woven in an integral cured some nameless longing that had haunted me since childhood. Something in me calm and became still. So, one of the things that I've been realizing, actually, n- just in the last couple of days, I've been doing quite a bit of book touring, um, is how receptive this form of spiritual connection is. You know, a lot of the ways that we are taught And work at spiritual connection magic if you will are very young in their energy they are very outward they're taking your will and saying I want to put my will on that so whether you call that manifestation or an intention or a spell these are all outward moving young energies which if you think about this this is this is interesting kind of in the larger context of people saying the rise of spirituality the rise of modern day witchcraft is the the feminine responding to the patriarchy but all of these things are following that very young model pushing outward my will on the universe and When you're working with your intuition, when you're channeling, that's very yin. And so what I've realized in these last few days is how important it is that we, like the moon, like the turning seasons, balance this yin and this yang, this ability to be receptive, and this ability to push power out of ourselves to change the world. right? Um, If we're only if we're stuck in one mode if we're only Working in one way. It's kind of like constant summer or Always being under the new moon We're not getting that cyclicality and I think that there's something about the cyclicality that recharges our energetic batteries so we're gonna be focusing today on that yin expression that taking things in and this is you know, really, I, I think, an interesting balance point to um, a certain amount of narcissism that we can get into when we're doing this kind of work, when it's me pushing outward. It's all about me. What the heck I think is right? Who I think is an idiot and should be taken down? right? When we, when we turn it around and we allow things to come in, when we take our human will out of the equation, then we begin to see the world around us in a different way and that actually begins to change who we are and how we show up when we next step into that situation where we want to manifest, where we want to intend in the world because we suddenly realize that we are one strand on this very large web of creation. So we're going to be focusing today on how the heck Do we hone this thing called our intuition to the point where we can channel if we want to? How do we do that? One of the things that I've noticed is when I speak to people about their intuition, what I often hear is, my intuition can be a little bit faulty, which I find really interesting. It's like we want to trust our intuition, but we're not actually sure that we can. Um, Because we don't focus on our intuition, We actually don't know the difference between intuition and the nyet 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 nagging voice in our brain. So we have to separate out these two things so that we can begin to actually trust ourselves, okay? So does anyone have any questions? Uh, You know, I'd love to just take questions as we go um, instead of waiting till the end because sometimes you forget them. So if anybody has anything, you can stick your hand up and I'll grab it. Okay, onward. So we are going to um, start with a story from when I was teaching herbalism in Philadelphia. I had an herb school, took about 25 people every year. And this particular year, I had a guy in my class named Rob, and Rob worked for a pharmaceutical company. He was a pharmaceutical rep. So he was really a fish out of water. He was trying to step into, yeah, big wow, right? He was trying to step into this very different way of seeing the world and seeing his life. So the first exercise I always did was I would send everyone out into the garden to sit with a plant. And the instructions were simple. Go out and sit with a plant. Notice where it's growing. Notice if there are any other plants it's growing with. Is it in the sun? Is it in the shade? What are the shape of the leaves? Is it tall or does it grow on the ground? Use, use all your senses. Crush a leaf. Smell your fingers. What do they smell like? Does it have a flower? Does it have a berry? Pay really close attention. You can draw the plant. You can take some notes. Or you can just sit and meditate with the plant. So it's a 20 minute time period that people could use as they, as they wanted to step into some sort of relationship with the plant. And the final instruction was bring a leaf in so that I could have some idea who, you, who the heck you were sitting with out there. So everyone goes out, everyone comes back in and I opened the class, you know, comments to the class. I said, how was that? What happened for you out there? And the first person raises her hand, and she's super excited. And she's like, that was amazing. The spirit of the plant came to me. She was in a blue dress, and she was dancing over the plant. And I'm like, oh, dear goddess. The last thing we need is, is a clairvoyant going first, right? <laughs> so clairvoyance is when you see, when you see with your, with your inner eye and you get strong visuals on what you're looking at. And that's the way you are connecting with your intuition. So here's the thing about intuition. We are constantly getting information from the exterior world all the time. Every crystal in this room is saying something right now. Okay? For our sanity, we tune a lot of that out because it's, it's a lot to hold. You know, I mean, even if you've just been in a very loud room, like if you tune in out there right now to that cacophony, it's crazy making. So we even tune that out. Like we tune in our senses that we're used to, but we also tune in the senses that we're not so used to dealing with. Um, it doesn't mean that we're not taking in the information. We are taking in the information. If you, as soon as you, you know, flip your brain, you can hear that cacophony out there, right? but you're listening to me and you just tune it out. Same thing with all this energetic information that's coming in. It's coming in all the time. Your body, your energy field is reading it. You're just not turning it into something in your brain that you can interpret. So those who are clairvoyant, turn it into something visual. They take in this information, it becomes something visual in their minds. Now, this is not a scientific study, but I would say that the clairvoyants are probably about mm, less than 5% of the population. Um, we actually we could do a quick little study here if you're willing. How many of you are super clairvoyant? We got a 0. <laughs> okay, we have a 0 on the clairvoyant. So, you know, it's a very slim percentage of the population, but When someone who is clairvoyant sees something, especially if they're not used to it, it is so exciting to them that they can, you know, they tend to be one of the the most vocal. They're the ones who are raising their hands, like, oh my goodness, I had an amazing experience. And everybody else in the room is going, I didn't do it right. I did not see the fairy in the blue dress. I've got news for you. I did not see the fairy in the blue dress either. So. I, st- I keep going around the room, and we have some, some more typical experiences. People had feelings. They drew a picture. And then someone else does the, the ooh-ooh, raising their hand. And she's a little tentative, and she says, the plant, I, I think it sang to me. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> now we have a clear audience making <laughs> making once again everyone feel like they're not quite enough. Okay, so audience, take all that intuitive information, and in their, in their inner self, they are hearing. But most of us are not falling into that category. Most of us are more like Rob. So finally, I turned to Rob and I said, so Rob, how was that for you? And he said, nothing happened. And I said, nothing happened. So what were you doing out there for 20 minutes? Like you didn't come in early or anything. And he said, well, I was just sitting out there daydreaming. You know, it's a nice day. I said, so what were you daydreaming about? And he said, well, I was remembering when I was a kid and my friend and I rode our bikes down this really steep hill um, and it was dirt and my bike flipped over at the bottom and I got all this gravel in my knee. Uh, Huh. When was the last time you thought about that? That's, that's a pretty specific memory. And he said, oh, I, I don't know. I can't remember the last time I, I thought about it. And I said, can, can you show me the leaf of the plant you were sitting with? And he holds up a leaf. He was sitting with a plant called plantain. Kay? This is not the banana plantain. This is a very common, often called a weed that grows in our, our yards here in the Northeast. And plantain is very specific for wound healing. And within wound healing, it's kind of like with the plants. You know how I said all the crystals are about love or protection? All the plants are about wound healing. But specifically, within that, plantain pulls things out. It pulls out splinters. It pulls out stings. It pulls out, like if you ever get stung by a nettle, you know, that like acidy stuff, it pulls that out. And it pulls out gravel. So Rob is what we call claircognizant. He uses his mind, but not his like, intellectual processing mind, to gather the information around him. So claircognizants are going to have information float across their brain that's relevant to whatever they're trying to tune into. The problem is that we're so used to ignoring our daydreams and thinking that they're nothing that all that information just floats by. So, simply having this information, you're going to begin to pay more attention to those things floating by in your mind. And sometimes it takes some interpretation, right? Like, if Rob had written in his journal that he'd had this daydream while sitting with this plant and then i identified plantain probably a month or two later because he was in this class we would get to plantain and he would be like oh now i understand why i had that thought luckily i was you know i was there and could kind of interpret it for him right then but this also brings me to why you need to keep some notes in, in the programs that I that I do with people, I have everyone keep what we call a BOS, book of self. The witchy people call it a book of shadows, book of self. Um, it's both, right? It's your notes on you, because it takes a little while to interpret what all this means a lot of times you have to put a layer of intellectual learning on top of the information you're getting in to begin to interpret and then after you begin to interpret slowly but surely you then begin to be able to understand how your intuition is working so we're going to begin to tap into that and what we're going to do right now is kirsten is going to start passing around some tea and I'm going to keep talking. Oh, you're all good. I'm going to keep talking while tea is being passed. Please do not sip your tea, OK? Hold on to it. We're going we're to do something all together in a moment. And while the tea is coming around, um, I'm going to talk to you about the other kind of well-known Claire. And I say, I say well-known because I suspect that there are all kinds of Claire's that we don't even have names for, um, all kinds of ways that we tune in that we haven't yet really identified. So, the final one is clairsentient. When I started this work, I was like pretty much 100% clairsentient. And what clairsentient means is that your body is reading the energy. So, how this showed up for me personally, working with the plants, is I would get sick every time I went and sat and focused on a plant. I thought, this is the most miserable exercise on the planet. Why, why, you know, why is my teacher making me do this? I'd go in, I'd sit with a plant, and I'd feel sick. And I'd come in, and, and my teacher would say to me, what did you learn? And I'd say, I, I didn't learn anything. I got a headache. I didn't learn anything. I got a stomach ache. I didn't learn anything. I got a pain in my knee, and my knee knee never hurts. And my teacher would smile and nod. Be like, come on, what the heck? Paying you a lot of money, lady. Eventually, I began to understand. And my teacher was incredibly good at maintaining silence. Um, I began to understand that I was not feeling yucky in the same way with every single plant. And then I got curious. Hold on a sec. Why does this plant give me a headache, and this plant give me a backache, and that plant give me a stomachache? And so it turns out that what I was doing was my body was telling me what that plant healed, which is pretty freaking amazing, right? Um, but it, it took me a couple of months to figure that out. Now, some people will have that experience. Some people their body will activate in a different way. So, you know, just because you don't feel sick when you sip this tea does not mean you are not clairsentient. Um, Clairsentient is about feeling things in your body. Okay? So those are the four major clairs. Feeling things in your body, clairsentient, having those, like, random thoughts going across your brain, claircognizant, hearing things, clairaudient seeing things clairvoyant now if you think about this from a cultural point of view um, I heard voices when I was a kid in fact I, I confirmed this with my mom at one point because I thought did I make that up but I would sometimes in the middle of the night go into their bedroom crying because I heard voices and they were talking really 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 fast like a record on overspeed. and I trained myself not to hear voices because crazy people hear voices Right? So for those of you who might have had clairaudient, clairvoyant skills as a child, those are the ones we train ourselves out of. Those are the ones that culturally are not acceptable. So inviting those back in might take a little while. You might find that it's actually easier to tune in through your body or through your mind to start. And after you start, it all starts to come online. After, you know, after you begin honing this muscle, it always reminds me of um, doing physical therapy. And my physical therapist would be like, like, use that muscle to do this sit-up. And I'd be like, I don't have a muscle there. And she'd poke at it and she'd be like, yes, you do. Um, Sometimes when you haven't used something for a while, you can't actually feel it. You know, you lose that ability to be able to find it. So walk through this exercise And if this interests you, continue to walk through this type of exercise, just like you would do your sit-ups or go for a run, you're helping yourself to grow a muscle, to have a response to something that right now you might not be overly responsive to. Okay. Any questions before we go into our tea sipping? Okay. So here's what we're going to do. You should have about three sips of tea in your cup. And stay with me. Don't just glug them down, because if you glug them down, then you don't have any tea for the rest of the exercise. So we're going to use our senses to start to get into the energy of this tea. Okay? So the first thing I want you to do, and if you're doing this at home, put your tea into a white cup or a clear cup because you want to be able to see the color. And if you put it into a dark cup, you won't be able to see the color. So the first thing we're going to do is we're just going to look at it and get a feel for for the color. Swirl it around, see how it catches the light. And just shout out to me what you're seeing. You know, this is like, th- there, this is not a trick question. Like, at the most surface level, what are you seeing? Yellow. yellow. Can we refine that yellow a little bit? Golden. Golden. Yeah. Honey. Amber. Amber. Another Amber. Yeah, there's some, there's some little spots in it from like where the, the tea leaves came through the filter. So it definitely has that amber appearance. So orange and some green. Yeah, I can see that green around the edge, right? So are we feeling like these are warm colors or cool colors? Warm, universally warm. Good. So now we're gonna smell. And something happens when you use your nose. First of all, your nose connects to your hindbrain, okay? The oldest part, your lizard brain. This is the oldest part of your, of your brain. Um, the other thing that happens is you go nose dead if you keep smelling. That's why, like, sometimes you walk into something that's super stinky, and like at first you're like, bah! and then five seconds later it's not so bad. So what I want you to do is smell, pull the cup away, smell again so that you don't go nose dead. I see some smiles around the room. So, what are some words to describe this scent? Again, this is not a trick question. I heard spicy. I heard sweet, earthy, earthy. fruity. Yeah, cinnamon-y. cinnamony. Yep, I see where you're getting that. Well, I heard sharp. Yes, there is a sharpness as well. anything else anything we're missing in this word collage gooey mmm I can smell some gooey I kind of want to dive in there and and be gooey in there (laughs) comforting yep warm and comforting and a couple of people are nodding their heads on comforting okay so here's the next step don't do it until until I say, because I want to get through the whole description. You're going to take a sip in your mouth and you're not going to swallow it. You're just going to swish it around your mouth and see what you notice. See what you notice physically in your mouth and then start to tune into your body and see if you're noticing anything anywhere else in your body. Um, And then finally, if any, any more words come to you Okay, so just take a sip, hold it in your mouth, give it a swish. And when you're ready, you can swallow. When you're ready, you can swallow. I don't think the mic quite caught that. So smooth, yeah buttery velveteen nice woody definitely something woody as well did anyone feel it in their body any what chills yes yes ah okay hearing felt my shoulders calm so relaxing yep that's physical effect right we're, n- we're now talking about something slightly different than simple word collage even if you think you don't know the answer pretend you do and point to where in your body you felt this T go where did you feel it people are pointing to their heads their shoulders throat a lot of necks shoulders throats Yeah, yeah, a lot of people kind of in that upper region, that throat chakra region. And hands, I see some some like out the arms and, and into the hands and some nodding on that. Okay, so now we're going to take another sip and this one you're gonna swallow and I want you to follow it into your body. Really, you know, pretend that you're like right in there with the tea going into your body and see how it feels and where it goes. So, taking what we did before to the next level. What's everyone feeling? Heart chakra. Yeah, yeah. I see some nodding on that, lots of nodding on that. Um, I I too got a lot of heart chakra and almost chills that then went out my arms and down my fingers. Yep, a lot of people saying yes on the fingers as well. Um, Any other sensations? If you had to choose, would you say that the energy of this, I'm gonna get to you in one sec. Um, Would you say the energy of this is moving downward or moving upward? Downward. This T definitely moves downward. What were you going to add? Ah, yeah, a feeling behind your eyes. Is it invigorating, calming? Can you give it a little more words? Yes, like it's clearing things away. Love it. Okay, so just take a pause right now. And notice for yourself whether you think you know anything about this mystery herb or not. Like if you're just having self-talk, are you saying to yourself, I don't know what this herb is. Or are you saying to yourself, wow, I kind of, I'm getting to know this herb. What's your self-talk right now, your brain talk? Somebody shout it out to me. Tell me what that little monkey brain is, is telling you. Your, your brain's telling you pine needles. So you're trying to name it. Your brain's trying to put a name on it. Yeah. Okay. So, so notice that. Our brain immediately wants to give things a name. Like, is this pine needles? Right? Ah. Yeah. So this is, this is an interesting comment. Um, we have someone who's thinking about who they want to share this with. There's that expansiveness, like the feeling of expansiveness, right? What else are people's brains saying to them? Because our brains always have something to say. And part of noticing the energy around you and being able to read it is being able to sort out what's your brain going, and what's the rest of you reading energy. ah yes okay so right yes that's that's perfect okay so um, I'm just repeating things for, for everyone on the podcast and we just had a comment that um, he is trying to think through other things other teas and herbs that he can do the same process with to see like is it gonna work You know, does chamomile really make him sleepy, right? So again, our brain's immediately like categorizing, naming, wanting to create um, order. Our brain wants to create order from information coming in. So the point of me asking you this question is simply to notice that your brain is constantly yammering away in the background and it's got its own agenda, right? And if you can identify that and if you can kind of step out, step back from your brain. Then you can say, OK, brain is doing this. The rest of me, this is tuning into, first of all, your clairsentience, but also your cognizance, like the part of your brain that is not ordering, classifying, naming. What's it doing? So these are always interesting questions to ask yourself and and begin to get you closer to this place of intuition. So what I always find fascinating about this exercise is that between all of us, we do manage to figure out what the different herbs or animals are about. So what we've been working with is Tulsi, also called holy basil. And I'm gonna read to you from the herbiary so you can just see how incredibly well you all did collectively. Um, In terms of the kind of hardcore what we know scientific facts about Tulsi, um, it's in the mint family. It's a basil, right? And so the interesting thing about everything in the mint family across the board is that they are both warming and cooling. They're invigorating they move blood through the body, um, but they're also cooling. And so because they're both hot and cold, which is fairly unusual, um, they both invigorate and calm, which is also really strange. And our brains go, that can't be true. But I wanna I wanna like call your attention, because many of you don't know this plant in particular, but you do know peppermint, right? Everybody knows peppermint. You're just as likely to have a cup of peppermint tea before bed as a way of just calming down and getting yourself ready for bed as you are to have it first thing in the morning to wake you up and invigorate you. So this is the magic of this particular plant family is that it is both warming and cooling, invigorating and calming. And it, you know, this is not typical. When you try this with chamomile, you're not going to get the same um, sense of it being both so in terms of the energetics of tulsi the description is you are sacred you are sacred where did we feel this heart chakra and into throat chakra right being in yourself speaking your truth tulsi also called holy basil is traditionally planted in a special pot by the front door of homes in south asia this holiest of plants thought of alternately as a household deity and a manifestation of the goddess Lakshmi brings heaven to earth. Her spicy scent reminds you to be aware of the unseen of spirit flowing in and out. Tulsi says, you're strongest when you let spirit help you adapt to the ups and the downs of daily life. If you befriend Tulsi, she might give you a further message. Your spirit flows through your physical form, and so your soul is fed through your body's senses. You might wear Tulsi beads around your neck to remind you that you are the home for your spirit, and you are sacred. So when you begin to combine what we know scientifically about this plant with the energetics of this plant, and then you go back to what was being said, the color is warming But it feels cooling in my body, right? It's bringing me into my heart chakra. I'm feeling invigorated, like down my arms into my head. But I'm also feeling calm. We begin to see that collectively, we we tuned right in. We got this. So the trick is for you to begin to believe that you've got this when you're not sitting in class having the support of the whole room because we go home and we lose it right any questions before i move us into the next little exercise yes Yes. Yeah. Fabulous. You're welcome. So the comment was that um, this gentleman was feeling the Tulsi in his mouth and in his jaw and in his tongue, and it wasn't moving down. And he was listening to everyone else say, it's going down, and kind of like challenging himself to feel what everyone else was feeling. But then when we started to put it all together and read a bit more about the herb, that idea of, speaking your truth, right? Coming into your own center, speaking your truth, knowing that your truth is sacred, all of a sudden made sense. So this is this is why we're kind of bouncing back and forth between our intuitive hits, our body feeling, our body knowing and then what what other people are saying, what's known in the books and things like that because all of a sudden you have that moment where you go, "Oh, I understand what I'm feeling." And now I understand what this means for me and to me. So, for someone who is feeling this particular herb moving down their arms and kind of, you know, invigorating them to move outward, they're going to use this herb differently than someone who's feeling it in their mouth, in their tongue, in their throat chakra. And that's okay. That's okay. You know, one person can be using. A tea to invigorate them and someone else can be using the same exact tea to help them speak their truth it doesn't have to mean exactly the same thing to every person and it can change over time because this is about relationship you know I we forget it sometimes that the world around us is alive plants are living growing things and when you're tuning into a plant you're not only tuning into the dried out leaves you're tuning into kind of the oversoul, if you will. It's always tough. Whatever words you choose for these kinds of things, someone goes, I don't like that word. Um, So come up with your own word if oversoul doesn't work for you, but there's like a spirit of an energy of that plant that exists in all the living, growing things out there that are of that plant. Just like the human race has an energy, Right, We have an energy about us um, that is brought to the whole human race and then each of us embodies that in slightly different ways. So the plants, the animals have that kind of collective energy as well as individual energy. Does that make sense? Yeah. So let me just check time. Um, we've got about 15 minutes and I would love to do a little guided meditation. Does that sound okay to everybody? I know, like, it's always, I always want to check with something like this because we're in, you know, a loud public space. Does everyone feel okay about closing their eyes for a couple minutes? Yeah? Okay. Um, one of my superpowers is holding space. So, just, you know, on the kind of um, spirit level, energy level, um, I gotcha. You're all good. So what we're gonna do, and those of you who are at home don't have the benefit of a deck of cards. I'm about to pass around cards from the bestiary deck and let everyone choose a card. So if you are at home, you can grab any of your own decks or you can choose an animal or a plant that you wanna do this exercise with. You can just think of one in your mind I like the, the randomness of having people choose a card. It gets us into some unusual places. So what we're going to do is we're going to do a, a little guided meditation just to get you into connection and communication. And for those of you in the room, it could very well be with an animal that you are not typically used to even thinking about or that you know nothing about. So those of you listening at home, I would challenge you, instead of choosing your very favorite animal or your very favorite plant or your very favorite crystal, um, choose something that you know less about. Choose something that is a little bit of a stretch or a challenge for you so that you can um, step into this exercise and, and be surprised. Because that's half the fun, right? Is not assuming that we know everything. So after you have your card or your animal vegetable mineral that you are connecting with, start to just settle a little bit, put your feet on the floor so that you can really ground. I like being conscious of being grounded when we do these kinds of exercises because we're, we're stepping into liminal space, but that doesn't mean that, you know, we wanna go flying off into the ethers. We want to remain grounded. Thank you. Does everyone in the room have a card? Are we good? Okay, just go grab these extras. Thank you. All right, so start taking some deep breaths and just calming yourselves, bringing yourselves to center. We all have favorite ways of doing that. I like to imagine dropping a cord from just over the top of my head, down my spine, down into the earth, and let it just click into that magnetic core in the earth's center. If you like to use tree symbolism, you can drop your roots. And just breathe. Close your eyes. And allow yourself to breathe into your own energy field just imagine a little bubble around you and your breath is just expanding it and then you inhale and it contracts a little you exhale and it expands a little so you're just breathing into your own space when you're ready Imagine yourself stepping out of yourself. Let's take a step right in front of you. And then walk your energy body around behind you. So you're standing behind yourself, looking at your own back. And you'll notice that in your back is a little door. Really look at it. Notice what color it is. Notice if there's a handle or no handle. Notice the shape. When you're ready, you can open that door and step inside. And then pull that door closed behind you. You'll notice that you're in an antechamber It might be a room, it might be a corridor. Breathe here, look around. See what the walls are made of and the ceiling. Notice if there are any scents, any colors. And begin to pass through this antechamber toward a light that you see at the far end. Move yourself toward that light until you come into the glowing chamber of your own heart space. And in that heart space, you're going to meet the spirit of the animal that you pulled on your card so step into that heart space and see what's there and see what messages or information there is for you there so when you're ready begin to say your goodbyes you're in the space of your own heart and you can always come back here begin to travel out of that bright heart space into that antechamber or that corridor You see the door at the end of that corridor, and you move toward it, noticing what you're seeing, what you're smelling, what you're hearing. When you get to the door, open it and step through so that you're once again standing behind yourself. Shut the door and just pause for a moment. Aware of where you've been and where you're going as you walk back in front of yourself and slide back into your own body. Take a few deep breaths. Reconnect with that physical self wriggle your fingers and toes and when you're ready open your eyes so what you just did is the beginning of a channeling experience and what you would do if we were in a workshop is I would send you off right now to write about your experience in a very particular way. I would have you write about your experience as though it were happening. So instead of saying, I walked past tense into my heart space, you would say, I'm walking into my heart space. Okay. By recalling in the present tense, you'll be amazed at how much more comes up and comes through and how many details you'll remember i often have people say i didn't i didn't really get anything or i didn't remember anything and then as soon as they start writing it down in the present tense all kinds of things come back so later you can write down this meditation in the present tense for yourself or you can do it again right do a repeat Um, And next week you'll actually have this podcast recording so you can listen to me walking you through it if if you wanna be walked through it again. And then you're going to write down in the present tense what you found. So this is how we begin to take the information that we're getting in through all of our senses, the ones we name and know and the ones we don't, and begin to go from intuition into channeling So, when I say these books were channeled, I would sit down at the computer and I would say, Okay, who's going to be in the book? And the first plant animal mineral that popped into my mind got to be in the book. It was an interesting process because, for instance, with the herbiary, Daisy kept saying, I'm in the book. And I kept saying, You are not in the book. You know, you're. You're not actually really a medicinal plant. We're focusing on the medicinal plants. And Daisy would say, I, I am a medicinal plant. And i say, no, you're not. And I would have these ongoing discussions with Daisy. And finally, I gave in and wrote Daisy's write-up. And Daisy ended up being one of the most important herbs in this book. I've gotten more emails about Daisy than any other one. So I'm going to read you, Daisy, as we come to a close. And while I'm finding this, I just want to call something out. Some of you may have noticed that I had you um, close that little door to your heart space behind you. Okay, this is metaphysical housekeeping. When you go on any kind of a journey, you want to keep the door closed between the metaphysical world and the physical world. I can't tell you how many people I've had who have like weird crossover. Because they didn't learn this early on, and then they have like leakage between the two worlds. You know, you start seeing ghosts or something that you don't actually want to be dealing with in the physical world. Um, so you, this is for any time you're journeying, any time you're stepping into liminal space. Close the door behind you. Come back. Close the door behind you. Basic housekeeping. Keep those two worlds separate. It's really distracting when you're half in liminal space and like you're driving 70 on the highway been there done that don't do it okay so we are going to close with my friend Daisy be yourself daisy comes from a huge family her sisters chamomile echinacea boneset elecampane feverfew and milk thistle to name just a few are amongst our greatest healers Luckily, Daisy learned early on that the best way to distinguish herself was simply to be herself. So despite her tomboy appearance with white petals often tatty and rumpled and her status as the most common of medicines, she'll heal a bruise and quiet inflammation, but nothing like her cousin, Arnica Montana. She's a favorite house guest. She persistently finds her way into our homes and gardens to remind us over and over again That loving ourselves as we are is the very best medicine. And I said this was going to be the last one, but once you start listening, you have to keep listening. And um, there's one from Bestiary. It's an interesting one. I don't often read this one out loud. Um, But I do want to share the final animal in Bestiary, which is human. Remember forgetting. Someday, when the animals gather to tell the tales of being, they will say, remember when humans went through the great forgetting? They forgot they were one of us. They forgot we are brothers and sisters. They forgot they too are of the earth. The animals will shake their heads and ruffle their feathers, remembering the rift and the near catastrophic destruction the humans caused in the throes of their forgetting. Even now, Humans know there is something missing, something lost. We live our lives with a nagging nostalgia, a longing for something we can't quite name. What is it that you are forgetting? Thank you all so much for coming out today. It has been fabulous working with you. And um, I will be sticking around to sign some books. We'll be moving it out there. Um, So, join me out there if you want your book signed.
0: This episode was produced by Kirsten Hedges and produced and edited by Georgie Harris. For more information, visit us at modernmysticshop.com and click on Sunday School.